Collect the offering and the connect cards. Well, good. Good times. You guys ready for the Word of God? Amen? All right, man. We're having fun today. Yeah, turn with me to Mark chapter 16. And uh, Mark chapter 16, we've been in a series called Jesus MD because we're learning about our great physician. Amen? The great I am, not the great I was. And we've been learning and growing in the fact that it is God's will to heal us. It is God's will. Right now, today, because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, it is who he is. He is the healer, that's his very name, but also we've learned that he has promised it in the word of God, that he has literally given us covenant promises, and the Bible says it is impossible for God to lie. That literally you have an inheritance because of Jesus, because of the blood of Jesus, you are in Christ, and God has made promises to you to heal you. It is God's will. And we've learned that he has purchased our healing. Not only did he promise it with his words, but he made sure that he would purchase our healing with his blood. By his stripes you are healed, right? Isaiah 53, that he has fulfilled the promise and he's made the provision. And we've also learned that it's by God's power and God's faithfulness that we receive healing. But we've been learning the last couple weeks that it's not just God's power that heals. It's not just like when he's in a good mood. No, it's his will all the time. That's not the question, right? Whether or not God's willing or not is not the issue or not the question. Whether or not God's able is not the issue or the question. But how do we receive healing? It's by God's power and whose faith? It's my faith. It's your faith, right? And really, it's our faith collectively too. We've got to stand together as a church. And we've got to command with our authority in the name of Jesus that things on earth line up with things in heaven. Uh, but, uh, but we've learned that the way we receive healing is by the power of God and by our faith. And of course, we learned last week about this a little bit, and we've learned that we never blame God, but we also, we don't condemn people. Amen? Amen. We never judge, because we don't know. We don't know. We just love people and build up their faith, and we pray for them, but we also challenge people to take responsibility to believe God's word. Amen? Amen. And so, uh, guess what? You minister, or you receive healing by God's power and by your faith, But today I want to talk to you about how to minister healing, how to give it away. See, my passion is that we would receive all that God has for us, but that we as a church would give it away. And that's the way it's supposed to be, amen? We are to be disciples of Jesus, following Jesus. And you guys know that a disciple is somebody who is becoming just like the master, right? You don't go and become an electrician's apprentice so that you can bake, right? You become an electrician's apprentice so you can do what? Do electricity stuff, you know? I don't know, whatever you're supposed to say. Be an electrician. You're a disciple to be just like the master. He wants you to receive all that he has for you, and he wants you to give it away. Didn't he say this, right? Freely you have received, freely give. That's what describes a life of a disciple of Jesus Christ, and that's who we are, right? A community of fully devoted followers of Christ. See, when you read the Bible, when you read the gospel specifically, you're not supposed to just see yourself as the sick person being healed. I mean, amen. I read the gospels and I, oh, Jesus loves me. He's healing me. You know, you see in the gospel stories of Jesus ministering to people, teaching them, healing them, and you see yourself receiving. But if that's all you see, you've missed what it means to be a disciple. You're not just supposed to see yourself receiving from Jesus. You're supposed to see yourself doing just like what the master did. 
You're supposed to see yourself freely receiving and freely giving. Learning from Jesus to model your lifestyle exactly like him. Yeah? He wasn't just trying to teach the disciples who were walking with him to receive, although, boy, did they receive. Think about Matthew, right? He was a tax collector living in sin. You know, think about Mary Magdalene, demon-possessed, living in sin, and yet God Uh, through Jesus, healed her, called her to follow him, and Mary Magdalene partnered with Jesus, was a disciple, right? Followed him, just like the other dudes, and partnered with Jesus, and she learned to be a disciple just like Jesus. You know, church tradition says she went out and ministered as a missionary. And so we're supposed to see in the Gospels, when I see Jesus healing people, not just how to receive, but how to minister. And I want to look at that today, that we would learn both to receive and to give, that we live that lifestyle as a disciple. And I'm telling you, the water level of the faith of God is rising in our church. I declared this months ago that the Lord said, gospel with power. We're going to bring to people the message of Jesus. But it's not just a story. It's not just a story. It's, it's, it's the message of a real king and a real kingdom. Amen? And we're ministering that message with the power of God for real. You know, we don't just tell people... Um, hey, would you like to buy a vacuum cleaner? And they're like, yeah, can I have it? I don't know where it went, you know? Oh, no, we got to give to people what it is we're telling them that, hey, would you like to meet Jesus? Sure, I'd like to meet Jesus. Here he is, and when you meet Jesus, you meet what? The Savior, the Healer, the Baptizer in the Spirit, the soon coming King, amen? You meet him, that's, the gospel is Jesus. Oh, it's so cool. I mean, talk about the water level rising in your church. Uh, Kurt was telling me there's a, there's a, there's a man in our church that, as he's been hearing these messages, he's been thinking to himself, oh, I want to, yeah, I want to do that, you know? I want to do that. That's the water level rising, right? Just the desire, even this, the, yeah, hey, wait a minute, yeah, that's a good point. I, that's true, I should be doing that. I should lay my hands on people, you know? It's it, water levels rising, you know? And, and so this person uh, uh, the other day, I, I don't know if it was a week or two ago, uh, told Kurt that they saw someone who needed healing, and, you know, they were hesitant, and they didn't do it, uh, back and forth, right? Because that's what we do, right? We go, oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Oh, I don't know, what if it doesn't happen, right? We get a little scary, get nervous or whatever. But this person did. They went over at, you know, I don't know how long it took them. But they went and they prayed for this person to be healed. That's the water level of faith rising in our church. And that's not the only one, amen? Anyone else? Yeah? The desire, the faith is rising, not just to receive, but to give. And I know that many of you, you're receiving things from the Lord, and I'd love to hear more stories, and we'll keep telling you stories. But my desire as a pastor is not like, oh, I preach on it, and so we see someone healed. No, my desire is that we walk in this as a lifestyle all the time, a year from now, two years from now, that we minister to one another, that we minister to people outside of the four walls of this church, family, friends, neighbors, and coworkers, people who are believers, people who aren't believers, and we give them Jesus. Words of encouragement, prophetic words, loving people, serving them, caring for the poor, acts of justice, laying hands on people and seeing them healed, casting out demons. This is what the gospel is, right? Heal the sick, raise the dead, clothe the naked, visit the poor and the sick. This is what the gospel is. This is what it means to be a disciple. And so it's not just, oh, somebody got healed because we, we, we had a sermon on it or something. Although, why does that happen often? Because we, faith comes by hearing here by the word. But I want this to be a lifestyle. God wants us to walk in this all the time. And where are we going to live this out? We're going to live this out in our life groups. Amen?
as we do this together. So Mark chapter 16, Jesus is commissioning the disciples. This is after he rose from the grave. And in verse 14, he's talking specifically to the 11. And it says uh, in Mark 16 verse 14, Later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Oh, by the way, that's because he had appeared first to women. They didn't believe the women, right? The, right? Women were the first preachers of the resurrection. Okay, just saying. I'm just saying. All right. That's a whole other one right there. Okay. Okay, verse 15. This is what he said, though. Listen to the commission. Listen to the commission of Jesus. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Right? Meaning their sins are forgiven, eternal life. Right? Go to heaven, being right with God. Wonderful. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And that's because Jesus is the only cure for the sickness that called sin in our own rebellion. Verse 17, verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Or sp- that word just means languages. Speak with new languages. Talking about Holy Spirit empowered languages verse 18 they will take up serpents and if they drink anything deadly will by no means harm them that doesn't mean you go and do that in church services that means that if you're like a missionary or you're going out there ministering and a snake happens to come at you it's not going to hurt you and if you drink something oops it's not going to hurt you i could tell so many stories of in the bible as well as in uh, missionaries and other people who have been supernaturally protected and preserved through from those types of things so this is not talking about being weird or anything. All right. Uh, and then it says here at the last phrase, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. What is he telling us? This is the gospel with power. This is the commission. This is the great commission to go bring to people the gospel with the power of God, with the demonstration that what we're telling them is actually true, that God really loves them. He's really good, and he really wants to heal and restore and transform their life. And it manifests physically and spiritually and emotionally in every which way, right? Amen? Notice that it says in verse 17, and these signs will follow those who believe. What signs? The ones he just mentions right after that, right? Demons being cast out in the name of Jesus. People being healed because we lay our hands on them in the name of Jesus, right? In the name of Jesus, that's with words, with, with the words, but our hands being laid on them and we impart to them the power of God by faith. And, but notice it says, those who believe, right? How do you receive healing? By faith, right? How do you minister healing? By faith. Guess what? It's not any different. It's not any different. It's simply by following the Lord Jesus and believing what he said. It's the same way you minister. It's the same way you receive it. It's that easy. It's by faith. It's believing that what he said, he meant it. And it's believing it before you actually see it. Do you notice that it says these signs will follow those who believe? Believe what? Believe in Jesus. Believe the gospel, right? The full gospel. I've had people ask me before, or, you know, like, you know, because maybe I would preach about this sometimes, or, you know, talk about how Jesus is the healer and say, well, now, Dave, 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 now we're not supposed to follow signs. They're supposed to be following us. I'm looking at your life. I'm not seeing any signs following you. 
Okay, no, really, I usually think about myself, right? I'm looking behind me, not years ago, looking behind me. I'm not seeing any signs following me. Where'd they go? All right? See, ask yourself the question Jesus said, those who believe in him, right? Those who believe in him, walking this way, disciples of Jesus, receiving and giving. Look at your life. Are the signs following? Huh. Where'd they go? Did the Bible change? No. Did Jesus change? Did what it means to be a disciple change? No. What changed? We did. Right? So, I, you know, I tell people, I say, well, I'm not following signs. No, I'm just making sure that the signs follow me. Because if they're not following me, there's something that needs to change in who? Me. We've created a theology out of our lack of experience and we've created excuses that make it safe for us. That's why a lot of people, they don't want to preach this kind of stuff, right? It's not safe. What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? No. Why? Because I've got to look at my life and say, God said my life would look like this. It would look like Jesus' life. Last time I checked, he died so that he'd be the firstborn among many brethren. That we would be conformed to his image. That's the last time I checked. Did that change in the Bible? Right? We'd look just like Jesus. So I want to look just like Jesus. Everything I do at the core of my life is that I would become more and more like Jesus. To believe the way he believed and to love the way he loved. And to do what he does. And allow him, his life, to flow through me to other people. Oh man, I'll tell you, when you lose your life for Jesus and the gospel, when you seek first the kingdom, what did he promise? Seek first the kingdom and all my righteousness, right? And all God's righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. My goodness. See, when you believe what God said, you'll do what he said. Well, you said I seek first the kingdom and you'll take care of me. I'm going to give my life for the kingdom. And guess what happens? He provides. He blesses abundantly. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, you lose your life for my sake and the gospels. I tell you, you receive a hundredfold in this life now. And in the age to come, eternal life. And with persecutions. <laughs> he made sure it's not going to be easy. Because you're living for the real king in a kingdom that doesn't like me. Jesus is the real king. This world doesn't want Jesus to be king. Well, we are the ones proclaiming, no, Jesus is king. Let me show it to you. He really loves you. You don't need to rebel against him. But too many believers, we don't believe what he said, do we? So we don't give our lives to him. And then we wonder, where'd the blessing go? Where are the signs? We've got to give it to the Lord, amen? We've got to give him all of us. Follow the Lord with everything we are. And so I'm not, we're not following signs. We're building up our faith that we would see what God said in his word. And guess what happens? When you say what God says and you believe God's word, signs follow. It's really very simple. Because now I lay my hands on people, not all the time, but they recover. I'm going for, but Jesus said that, right? Jesus said, my disciples who have good hearts, they'll bear 30, 60, or 100-fold fruit. Shoot, 30-fold, that's good stuff, right? 30% 30 of the time, that really encourages me, right? 30% of the time, somebody gets healed. That's pretty good. You know what I'm saying? Jesus said, that's good. All right, amen, I'm batting a 300. You know what I'm saying? Hey, it's hard to play baseball, right? You bat a 300, you're good. All right, so if I got 30-fold, we're doing pretty good. 
All right. I mean, we don't boast in ourselves, but we say, thank you, Lord, for cultivating that faith in me that there would be some fruitfulness in my life. Some people getting saved and some people are getting healed. And I've seen demons cast out. And then, hey, when it doesn't work, we go, hmm, well, it's not God's fault. Hmm, what's going on here? So we've got to learn how do we minister with this kind of faith? How do we get to be a people that have 60-fold fruit, 100-fold fruit, right? That kind of a thing. How do we cultivate that faith? <clears throat> go with me to uh, go with me to Mark chapter nine, and I want to see this in action. Just backwards a little bit to Mark chapter nine. The Apostle Paul tells us exactly how this works in Galatians, and I want to have you have you turn there. But let me just reference that as we look at this Mark chapter nine passage. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul says this. Many of you know this. For I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith. I don't live. I don't belong to myself. No, he's the vine, I'm the branch. I'm in Christ. The only reason I have eternal life is because I'm associated with Jesus. It's his, self, it's his, it's his grace, it's his, his righteousness. But because I'm in Christ, I receive his forgiveness, his righteousness, all this stuff, right? So I no longer live, though. I live by faith. That's not like one-time salvation. That's every day I live, everything I do, I do by faith. That's what Paul's saying. It's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to see the life of Christ live through us except by faith. Paul's saying, I live by faith. I mean, that's, that's, that means everything. In fact, if we don't do it by faith... The, the Bible says it doesn't please God. Why? Because it's out of our own human effort and that becomes legalism. So even when I'm tithing, I'm doing it by faith. I do it simply because he said to do it and I believe that he'll do what he said because I'm doing what he told me to do. That's faith. I'm taking God at his word. See, it's not works. It's not legalism. I'm not trying to earn anything from God. But we've got to learn how to cultivate faith and to walk in such a way where his life flows through me. So he says, I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. He goes on to ask some questions in Galatians 3, just right after that, right after that. He says, how did you guys receive the Spirit? Was it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And of course, the answer is by the hearing of faith, by the hearing of faith. Hmm, that's an interesting phrase, right? By the hearing of faith. Uh, he goes on and he asks another question. He goes, how, do, how does he work miracles among you? And he's not talking about God in that context. He's talking about people who come, who minister healing to, to them. You know, how how does he, who works miracles among you, how does he do that? And he gives the same answer. He says, by the, by the works of the law, by the hearing of faith. And he goes, by the hearing of faith. He says the same thing, how to receive and how to give, by the hearing of faith. Didn't Jesus say this himself in John chapter 5? Remember, Jesus, didn't Jesus say, hey, I only do what I see my father doing, right? I only do what I see my father doing. Now, let's see. Did Jesus sit by a little palm tree, you know, with some olives and stuff and go, I'm just going to do what my father said to do. I'm just waiting. Oh, okay. Oh, you want me to go heal the blind guy? Okay. All right. Be healed. All right. Good, because I want to go back to my palm tree, you know? Was Jesus a carpenter and busying himself with a million things? And then, like, God's like, okay, now just, like, go over there, and then you can come back, and you can go pick up your old life again. What? No, 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 no. He's on mission with God. Amen? Jesus is giving himself to the work of the kingdom fully, and he's inviting people to do the same thing with him. Come here, come be my disciples. Now, I'm not saying you can't work your job, but I'm saying we get so distracted by the things of this world, right? Instead of seeking for the kingdom. He says, come follow me. And what was Jesus? He's on mission. He's on mission with the Father. It, 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 is, is, I only do what I see the Father doing. Is that passive? No. 
No, this is a person, Jesus, he's teaching the word. He's preaching the word, right? And when there was a need, what did he do? He would lay his hands on people or he would speak healing over them and they would get healed, amen? Did it ever not work for Jesus? Oops. Oh man, come back. I'm, I'm a little off today. I'm a little rusty. I'm a little rusty. Yes, I'm, I need to go spend some time with the Father because it's not working right now, all right? Did it ever not work for Jesus? Well, how did he live? Did he ever doubt God? No. Was he always walking by the Spirit? Yeah. See, he was always on the move with God, living in what we call the hearing of faith. What does that mean, the hearing of faith? The hearing of faith. It means that Jesus believed God, and so he would hear God, and then he would do what God said to do. The hearing of faith. How do you hear God? By faith. You want to know why you don't hear God? Somebody says, I don't hear God. Because you don't believe. You don't believe the word. It's not like a skill. You know what I'm saying? Does it make sense? Like God has made this so simple that anyone can do it. Does that make sense? Like it's not like you have to be a rocket scientist to figure out how the kingdom works. It's simple. He said, you guys need to become like children. The problem isn't that you're too smart. The problem is that you need to be like children. And he wasn't saying like, you know, check your brain at the door of the kingdom. No, he's talking about walking by faith. That so often we allow our, the way we think and the way we understand to hinder us from just taking God at his word. Just believe it like a child. Everything else we're supposed to walk in maturity, not childish. But we're supposed to come to him and just believe what he says. And that's how you hear God. See, I've learned in my life that there's so many areas of my life that I would hear God if I just believed him. See, if you don't believe that God is for you, you're not even going to hear him say to you, I want to do this in your life. In fact, I think a lot of times Christians do hear God, but they don't even believe it. To me, it's like, a, um, it's like God trying to get, let's say God wants to do a big thing in your life. Imagine like a really big tennis ball with like all the sticky stuff on it. I mean, all the fuzz. A big one though, but it's a big one. And you got just about as much faith as one of those small little 99 cent store Velcro pads. You know what I'm saying? That's what my son got one time, 99 cent store and they're the worst thing really. You're, just, you're trying to get the ball off the velcro. Kick it off, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and it's like this big, you know? It's like that big. Pink and green and all that. And God's trying to get this big thing to land on you. And you got that little guy. You know, he's throwing it at you, you know what I'm saying? Boom! <laughs> you know, just knocking you down. So many Christians are like, I, I don't know what God's saying to me. I bet you do. You just don't know how to receive it hold on to it through the hard times and live it out through obedience because you don't have the, what's called the hearing of faith. But Jesus, he said, I do whatever my father says to do. And it happened to be a lot of stuff, right? He saw people getting healed all the time. Why? Because that's what the father was doing. The father's healing people all the time, loving people all the time, serving people all the time. And he's, Jesus was, I'm about my father's business. Man, it's my food to do the will of the father. It's my food, man. That's what I, that's what I feed on. He ate some real food, but sometimes he didn't because he said, man, oh, I'm not hungry right now. I got to do what God's called me to do. The hearing of faith is a person who is cultivating that faith, pressing into God with that kind of faith. And what happens is the Lord speaks and that person actually believes it and does it. And so it's like the, the picture would be of you getting a bigger and bigger and bigger Velcro wall in your spirit for that big thing that God wants to say to you. So a lot of times God will speak to you little things because he, that's all he can get to stick on you. 
And I'm talking about my own life here. No, I'm, and I'm talking about my own life. I've learned this over the last few years. I was at a conference one time, and this guy randomly came up to me, and he's like, oh, yeah, I know what you're like. You try to figure stuff out in your own human mind and everything, right? Because, you know, I'm, I'm a you know, smart guy, got some stuff, you know, got my education and stuff. And he's like, yeah, I get it. You try to, you kind of, you know, figure this out, how to do the church. He's like, you know what you need to learn? The hearing of faith. And I'd already been starting to, like, learn that I needed to walk in this way. But he said that, and I was like, whoa, what's that? You know, <laughs> hearing of faith. And so I went, and I studied in Galatians, and I made it a, a goal of my life to figure out what that looks like and to live it out. And that's exactly what's happened recently, well, the last few years of my life, is my faith has grown in what God said in his word. And so guess what? I hear God, but it's not just that I hear him, it's that what he has said I actually believe, and then I walk it out. So that's what we need. We need to cultivate this kind of faith in our lives, this kind of hearing of faith in our lives, not just obviously for healing, but this is exactly how it works for healing. Jesus would see the Father ministering and just do what the Father did. He'd just hear God and just do exactly what the Father did. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to muster it up. You don't have to like be some woo guru. You don't have to feel it. You don't have to be like, oh, I feel it. Oh, someone's going to get healed right now. I mean... Now, somebody might, okay, like you might feel that way because the power of God is crazy, it's awesome, but you could feel absolutely nothing. You just simply believe what he said and you minister it. So watch what happens. Paul says, I no longer live as Christ who lives in me. So what happens when I say what God is saying? The power of Christ flows through me, through my words, when I believe. Only when I believe though, right? How important is it to hear the gospel preached from pastors or leaders or teachers who actually believe what they're saying, who have fruit in their life? What happens when you hear the message preached from somebody who doesn't really believe it, doesn't live it? It's going to drain your faith. So what happens is when I speak and I believe what God has said, it releases that power. Why? Is it, is it me? It's Christ. I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. So everything I speak, if it's God's word... And that life, the life of Christ, the power of Christ flowing through me. Same thing. In my name, you will cast out demons. What are we doing? We're representatives of Jesus and we're speaking his words, enforcing his authority on earth. Demon, you're not allowed to be here. I'm a representative of the kingdom. There's a new law in town. It's called the gospel, the promises of God. Jesus died and disarmed you and you're not allowed to be here. People say, well, how come the demons still get to mess with people? How come sin and sickness get to mess with people? Because the church isn't there. They're, they're rebels. They're bullies. And someone has to come in and say, mm, there's a new law in town. Get out. Right? Are there not in this natural world laws that are written down? And who enforces them? Policemen? Judges? Yes? The great thing is we actually see transformation in people's life instead of just throw them in jail. So uh, we throw the demons in jail. Get, get out of there. Get to jail. Right? All right? But we literally have to enforce what is what? Written. On earth as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus. Somebody has to enforce that. But what are we doing? When I say in the name of Jesus, get out. Or when I lay my hands on somebody, what happens? Christ in me heals that person. His power through my life. His power through me when I believe. When I believe. You lay your hands on somebody but you don't believe. Not a big deal. In fact, I've kind of developed a policy in my life because the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I'm not saying you should do this, but the Lord spoke to me that I don't, re- I, well, sometimes I forget. I won't lay my hands on somebody until I believe that what I'm going to say is going to happen. 
Because, sorry, I'm not always where Jesus was. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus, he just did it. But the Bible says, in my name, you'll lay hands on people and they will recover. So I lay my hands on people when I believe. Which I would hope is all the time, right? And what happens? I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. So what happens? When I believe, and in his name, with words, but also the laying on of hands, the power of God is released into their body and they're healed. One time, it was just simple. I'm just walking into church and there's this guy, he's, how are you doing? Oh, my back really hurts. Oh, can I pray for you real quick? We're just walking church. Worship's starting. I, I'm in a hurry, man. I want to worship, you know? This is about me. No, you know? <laughs> hey, let me just pray for you real quick. In the name of Jesus, be, re- be healed. I go on, I start worshiping. Weeks later, this guy comes back. I think he was just visiting. He comes back because he was out of town and uh, comes and he goes, oh, I forgot to tell you. Since you prayed for me, man, I- I'm not saying 100% healed, but my back's felt so much better. I haven't needed the medicine or anything. It's not that bad. Did I like, did I like do oil, got to get the oil, you know? No. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Just touch his back. I asked him, or maybe even his shoulder. I probably didn't even touch the back. Just here. In the name of Jesus. Just release healing into his body. That's simple, right? It's that simple. It's called the hearing of faith. One time I was at a camp, and um, this happens a lot actually, where I'll see something happening before it happens. Okay, I see it. It's one of the ways to hear God. Or you hear the Lord that wants to do something. Happens a lot with our worship teams, by the way. Our worship leaders. They pray and they hear God. And they see what God wants to do. It's one of the reasons why God does powerful things at this church. Sometimes we get the Lord speaks to us in the moment. But a lot of times, he shows us what's going to happen. I will literally see into the future. I will see people getting healed. And we stand up here and say, God wants to heal this. And then they get healed. Because I saw it. I saw it in my spirit from the Lord. So one time, this boy's walking up to me at a, at a camp, and as he's walking up, I see me hugging him, and I hear the word father. Now, I mean, you know, I mean, youth nowadays, you could almost pretty much bet they're not going <laughs> to have a father issue. So you'd be like, well, but you know, to me, I'm like, oh man, what if I'm wrong, you know? You're thinking that. And the hugging thing, that's just got to be supernatural. So, um, no, anyways, so he comes up to me, and I say, hey, tell me about your father. And he just starts weeping. I mean, so, oh, touch something there, right? So I begin to minister to him. And, the, oh, it's just powerful. I'll never forget this because it was one of those times where it was powerful ministry. I wouldn't have done that. Does it make sense? You know, you kind of have your standard way of ministering. Like, oh, brother, how can I pray for you? Oh, bless him, Lord. I mean, you know, you kind of. But when you see stuff, man, he gives you a boldness, right? Hey, tell me about your father. Now nah, I just cut the chase, right? Tell me about your father. Starts weeping. I embraced him and hugged him. It was one of the most powerful times of ministry. Not because of me, because I just did what God said to do, right? And I prayed for him a little bit, but I just held him. I don't know for how long, minutes, five, ten minutes, just holding him, praying for him, and ministering him in a way that I wouldn't have normally done that. Again, I've seen this before. I was, I've been at, uh, at uh, oh yeah, one time I was at a conference and I'm speaking. Oh, no, actually, well, this time I wasn't even speaking. Uh, <laughs> one time I go to this church just uh, at the Rock down in Anaheim, which we usually go to. I went with John Paul and Nancy. And I'd been working out in the yard or something all day, so I'm like, uh, like jeans that are like probably had paint on them, and my sweatshirt that was all dirty and had paint on it, my tennis shoes on, and 
I mean, I, you know, I probably hadn't shaved or anything. This was probably a Saturday night or something like that. And we go there, and I thought, here's a big church. We'll just sneak in there. We'll hear the word. Awesome. And we'll sneak out, you know? And so, awesome. Okay, we sneak in there. And first off, they notice me there. Hey, Pastor Davidson. Oh, no. You know, I'm like, oh, great. And then as the word is being preached, I get words of knowledge. So you do what any normal person does. You write them down, and you give them to the person in charge so that they'll give it. You know what I'm saying, right? And so you go, I, I heard, uh, uh, you know, stuff with the brain and like depression and, and things like that, right? Stuff going on in the brain, chemical imbalance. Write that down. There you go, right? And they go, they go, come here, come here, right? You can go up there. No, look at me. No, I'm joking. I didn't say that. I, didn't, I was like, I don't want to go up there, you know? So I go up there and yeah, I just prayed. I just said, hey, these are the words of knowledge. And so I prayed. Get out in Jesus' name. And then, uh, that, then afterwards, a, a girl came up to me, and I ministered specifically to her with depression. But I get an email, like two, three emails, of powerful things that happened. One guy had some chemical things going on and some addiction things, and it was broken. He said, I mean, this is like, you know, the testimony came a few weeks later where his wife even saw the change in him as things were broken. I prayed for this girl with depression. She emailed the church and said she was healed. She saw me like months later, like six months later. Hey, ever since you prayed for me, Matt, I haven't struggled. I mean, stuff like that, right? I was ministering this, uh, this summer there, and as I was preaching, right before I preached, I text Tom and, and Kurt, hey, give me any words of knowledge, all right? This is what I sensed from the Lord. I had a couple of things, and, but I know how the team works. I love these guys and, and, and people like Debbie. I think I might even text Debbie too. I know they hear God. So I say, oh, let's, let's do that. You know, I feel like the Lord wants us to hear in teams. So here we go. I text him. I get some words, a prophetic word from Tom. Duh, right? Tom's prophet. He gives me a prophetic word. <laughs> Kurt gives me a word of knowledge. A stomach, right? Stomach. So I give, so it's, he heard God, but I believe, man, he heard God. I believe it, right? So I spoke that word and I commanded it, right? I, I spoke it. I didn't even lay my hands on anyone. The next day I'm at lunch and this, and I'm with, oh my goodness, this is so crazy. I'm at like Del Taco or, oh no, no, I don't know, El Pollo Loco. And my kids are crazy. It was one of those lunches where the kids were like, cuckoo, somebody strapped them down and like, and so my, I'm like frustrated, right? I'm like, take the, I do deep breath, love, patience, gentleness, kindness, humility. Okay. Oh, I mean, I'm telling you, like Emma spilled water everywhere. And Josh was dumping food everywhere. I'm like a clean freak. And I'm like, I'm going to clean this up. So I'm just trying to, mm, calm, calm. I love my children. I love my children. How was your day? How was your day? Okay. So we're, I mean, we're just, having, we're just having a wonderful family time. That's just exactly what family is like all the time. So this girl goes, Pastor David. Oh, great. No, a good thing I, I kept my cool and everything, you know. No, I'm just messing. I'm just messing. I always, always keep my cool. Walk in character and integrity. Okay, so... So, so she, I turn around and she says, Pastor David, the Lord healed me. When I can, I've been having these stomach problems for, for you know, weeks. I don't know what it is. And, she, and it was funny the way she said it. She was like, I know how I felt. I know. I mean, she was like, really like, she was hurting, you know? And she says, I didn't even think I was going to even come to, come to the conference, but I know I needed to hear the word, you know, Holy Spirit drawing me, right? And so she an environment where she's hearing the word of God. Her faith's built up, Amen. And I, I said, the rivers of living water are going to flow to you and release healing. I gave those words of knowledge. I commanded that stuff to go. She said, when you said that, right, stomach pain, go in Jesus' name. She said, I felt the power of God going to me and I'm healed. She's like, I know how I feel. I mean, I just, she was so adamant. I was like, okay, <laughs> praise God. Praise God. Isn't that amazing, right? See, that's the power of God. Here, Kurt, come on up here. Come on up here. Kurt, Kurt knows I'm going to do this. Grab that mic. Kurt, more than... 
I, I, I'd say people in our church have begun to really rise in this and cultivate this, you know? I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, I'm going to brag on people. People like Tom and Debbie, uh, uh, people like John Paul and Nancy here, they have been cultivating that faith in their life to where they're seeing that fruit and they're going out and they're taking that gospel but to the other people with power. But I'll tell you, Kurt, I've seen over, I don't know, three or four years, just rise up in this thing called the hearing of faith. He's really seen this fruit. Tell us a few stories. I want to hear the good stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can I just intro something really quick? Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, you got the mic. <laughs> well, no know, announcements. Yeah, we don't. Probably is. I, I don't want to start preaching in the middle of your sermon. So um, you will anyway. So just go yeah, for here it. You go. <laughs> well, one thing I was just sitting there right now, and I felt like the Lord wanted to tell you guys. So I'm just going to say this: that you will heal someone today. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And um, uh, my journey in this, uh, I'm the last guy I would have picked to believe God for me. But um, uh, part of it was growing and learning to hear the Lord. Um, so I just want to, because that, I want to say this really quick before I tell the stories, because you have to know my journey. I, I came to this church, and at one point I was in service, and I really felt I didn't want to hear God. Like, that sounds weird, but I was in church, and I was like, God, I don't want to hear you right now, because I know if you start speaking to me, you're going to tell me to do stuff. But that got frustrating because I hated coming to church and not experiencing the Lord. So I got fed up with it. I'm like, okay, fine. You can tell me whatever you want, and I'm just going to have to deal with it, okay? So um, I learned, started learning to hear the Lord. I had kind of heard the Lord before this as a kid and stuff. That wasn't, it wasn't totally new, but I started hearing the Lord more as I'd get on the prayer teams. Cause that, and by the way, if you're like, how do you hear God? Like, he speaks in his word. And then as you're yeah. praying for people, that I, like, if you're like, I don't know how to hear God for prophecy, for words of knowledge, for any of that, I would just say, just get in the habit of praying for people. Because as I would pray for people, I, I'd like, I feel like saying this to them. And as I would do that more and more, I was like, they were like, oh, dude, that was right on. I was like, cool. Like, I had no idea. And then um, eventually I would start saying, I feel like God wants to say something corporately. So I'd come to Dave or Tom and say, I feel like God wants to say something to the church. We'd be in through the roof and we're praying for people and just more, more so of that. Um, so I just got in a habit of like saying, Lord, um, if I think it's you, I'm going to go. And that's one of the things like faith um, John Wimber used to say, faith is spelled R-I-S-K, spelled yeah. risk. Faith Amen. is really an action. And so the stories I'm going to share with you aren't even just about my faith. Because in one of them, I, I was a small little part, actually, of it. Um, but because I made a decision that God, whenever I hear you, so either through the word or uh, as the Holy Spirit leads, I'm just going to go. So uh, I'm going to try to make these quick. Uh, the first story is, they wanted me to share is, um, I'm sitting in the back, back, back um, where Tom... Marin is roughly, and uh, I'm sitting in the back. Dave's preaching, and we have this habit. If um, we started saying, "Hey, if you get a word of knowledge that God wants to heal something or a prophetic word, tell the guy who's closing at the end." So Owen did announcements this morning. He'll be closing. Um, so if you get a prophetic word, you can give it to Owen. Um, and uh, I'm sitting back there, and all of a sudden, I feel like the Lord's like, "I'm going to start giving you words of knowledge right now." How do I know that? Because I again, I had. Prayer teams, and you just take risk, and you find out, okay, that was me, that wasn't me, that was God, that wasn't God. Like, you just do it. So I'm in that moment, and it felt like the Lord said, I want you to start writing stuff down. I'm like, okay. doesn't hurt to write anything down, so I just start writing down. If one of, the first thing I hear, blind eye. Like, there's no one in this room with a blind eye. <laughs> but I'm going to write it down, because, again, you just take a risk. If it's God, awesome. If it's not, no one's going to beat you up or anything. My dad has said, you know, I'd rather be embarrassed and someone get ministered to than, um, I'd rather risk embarrassment yeah. for the sake of someone else. So 
I was like, whatever, blind eye. Okay, blind eye. And there was the dental. And I, you got to understand, for me to say God's going to heal dental stuff is, just sounds interesting to me. But I wrote down dental stuff. Um, I wrote down three or four things. And I said, hey, Clint, um, can you, he's sitting right in front of me. Here's some words of knowledge I feel like the Lord wants to do. I did not believe the blind eye thing was for anybody. I thought, in, again, sometimes I think I've gotten like five or six things. And I'm pretty sure like three or four is good. But I'm like, I don't know about that one. Whatever. I give him a clip. Okay, that's mine. See, what was faith? I took a risk. I just threw it out there. And that was it. That was where my part of this story. Um, Clint gets up there and he takes the risk and shares it. He said my name. I'm like, why do you got to tell him it was me? But he shares my name. He's like, hey, Kurt felt like these things. And um, he's like, blind eye. Now, um, Val, you can correct me for the details. Um, but Valerie Pena, uh, her daughter Gracie had, was blind in one eye. I had no idea about that. And Gracie, earlier that day, had like some hot water had spilled on her, and it, it kind of traumatized her. And it was like, what do you do? And her mom was really good. It was like, hey, just go back and go back to your classroom and, um, you know, let the Lord minister to you and um, have a good time. And so eventually that worked out. And, um, but Valerie realizes, oh, my daughter has a blind eye. But she's not in the service. She's in the back. So her faith was like, you know what? I'm going to believe God. And so, again, what does faith look like? It takes risk. It takes action. So I'm just going to go for it. Because the Lord said something. Faith is doing, is, you know, Peter, come out on the water. Okay, Lord, if you say. Why? You just do it because he says it. He says it in his word. He says it through the Holy Spirit. She goes. She gets up. She brings Gracie. And then, so she goes back to the prayer team, and I haven't, I don't know Jen's side of this. I do know Jen was the one who prayed, and I'm sure it was an element of, like, faith, like, all right, Lord, here we go. Um, so check with Jen the rest of this story. But I, I do know that I had to take faith, because if someone, to be honest, maybe it was good that I was not on the prayer team. I was just the guy who gave the word, because if someone came up and said, hey, I have a blind eye, I might have to check myself and say, Lord, am I good for, you know, am I good for this right now? But Jen, she takes the risk. She's like, we're going to pray for this. We're going to believe God. <laughs> and the only reason I know something happened initially is because I'm doing takedown, and I look over, and I see Gracie, and she's standing back, and they're covering one eye, and they're doing, like, the finger thing. Like, how many fingers am I holding up? And I could tell she could see out of an eye she couldn't Amen. see before. Yep. No one was more surprised than me. But what? what? I had faith, and that's basically, I got the, okay. I had faith that I, 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 just took a, I just took a risk, okay? The next week, I think it was the next week, I, I also yeah. got deaf next ear. Week, yeah. um, again, and which happened to be Gracie's brother, AJ, had a deaf ear. You know, was, couldn't uh, it, um, fluid in his fluid ear. Fluid in his ear, yeah. Some, some infection. And he went for the back to the prayer team, and they healed him. Uh, like, again, boom. they healed him. <laughs> Jesus heals through us, but he didn't say, go so I can heal through you. He said, go heal the sick, okay? Amen. So... Um, again, it's all about risk, and it's just, you know, as the Lord leads you. I'm going to end with this one story. I was uh, at a restaurant. Uh, actually, I'm going to share this other story. I'm sorry. Let me, I've shared this before, but sometimes I don't like to share multiple stories multiple times, but if Jesus says to. I was, um, I was at the library, and I'm going to condense this really quickly. Um, this lady walks in, and I have the sense of the Lord that... You need, to, you need to ask her if she needs prayer for sickness. Now, guys, 
I'm cool doing it in church, but when I'm outside of church, I want to believe God for it, but that's still this next level I'm working towards. And I'm, I'm at work. I work at a library part-time, and so I'm behind the counter. And here's the thing. Because I made a decision in places it was safe, it's safe here to mess up. It's safe it through the roof to mess up. It's safe when you're just with your friend, and you're like, can I pray for you? And you start praying, like, hey, I feel like saying this. That's, that's safe. I know that some of you are like, that's not safe for me. As you get doing it, it becomes more safe, and then God will grow your faith from bigger stuff. Um, but she walks in, and I was like, here's how I knew it was God. Because if it was church, I would have done it right away. Hmm. I'm in the library. I'm in the marketplace. I'm in my job, and I'm like, God, I don't want to, I don't want to, I I don't, <laughs> I'll be real. I didn't pray for her that day. I don't even think she knows this. Um, I didn't pray for her that day. And she left, and I was like, you know what? I've also been working on not being under shame and guilt and stuff. So, Jesus, I'm not going to receive any guilt. I know that, but God, sometimes the timing has to be right. But if there's ever a chance to do that again, I'll do it again. Um, a week later, she comes in again, and I ask, I'm like, Lord, is this still open? Because I've done that. I've told the Lord, I'm not going to do this now, and that opportunity went. I'm just, that's, that's real. That, that happens sometimes. Um, it's, be- it's always better to obey immediately, <laughs> just Amen. FYI. Um, lady comes up, and uh, <laughs> she gets her stuff. She goes to check out, and I'm like, hey, can I, can I, pray for you, and I'm about to explain that I want to pray for something physical, and I'm about to explain why this isn't weird, even though I think this is kind of weird right now. Um, and she's like, oh, thank you, and she grabs my hand, and I was shocked, because she was really excited. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, cool. Actually, that's been my experience recently, that God has brought me to people who are Christians. <laughs> when, I, when, when he's told me to do this in the marketplace, because I think he's trying to build my curtain. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So I pray for her. She got partially healed that day. I didn't know that, by the way. She got partially healed that day, and then she started coming to our church. I don't know, Esther. This is I'm talking about you. Woman of faith. And she started coming to our church, <laughs> yeah, yes, and she got, it was for your shoulder, got partially healed that day. Yeah, your rotator cup got partially healed that day, and then when you came the next week, they prayed, and your rotator cup's better. Yeah. So the Praise Lord healed her, and again, Praise God. I, got, I got used to hearing God and taking risks in a safe place, and that allowed me to take risks in places that didn't feel so safe. So um, you can, you will, and um, you're just going to have to take a risk. Uh, but God is always with you. God is always faithful. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kurt. The water level's rising, amen? Telling you. Faithful in the little, faithful in much. So now look real quick here in in Mark chapter 9, verse 14. It says that when Jesus came down to the disciples, he was on a mountain hanging out with God. He saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, to Jesus, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, notice he didn't ask the disciples, he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Right? The disciples are having an argument with religious leaders. Isn't that interesting? Debate, discussion, theological discussion. Right? That's what happens when we don't move in the power of God. So there's all this argument going on, and, and Jesus asked the Pharisees, what are you guys arguing with my disciples about? <laughs> What are you guys arguing about? 
Verse 17, then one of the crowd answered and said, this is the father or the son of the father. I'm the father of the son, I mean, sorry. Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and he becomes rigid. Wow, in our culture, that's not called a spirit, is it? But there is a spirit often behind that. I'm not saying every physical thing is demonically uh, rooted, but often there are demons because they're bullies. Notice that it says, teacher, I brought you my son. I brought you. Who did he bring his son to? Jesus. Notice that? I brought you my son. And he says there at the end of verse 18, so I spoke to your disciples. Who did he speak to? But who did he bring him to? So if you don't understand discipleship, you don't understand what he was thinking. Hey, oh, 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 there's, <laughs> hey, you guys work for Jesus. All right, when you go to Target and you talk to the person at the, the Target, aren't they Target? You talk to the cashier, that, that's Target right there. Right, everyone knows, that they're on the front lines, that, that's Target right there, man. Okay, see, you're a disciple of Jesus, you represent the kingdom. He's bringing his son to Jesus who is being represented by his disciples who have been trained to do just what Jesus... Now, before this time, his disciples had been given power and authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse the lepers, and he had sent them out two by two, and they had moved in the power of the Spirit, and they had seen some fruit. They had seen some fruitfulness. But here they are, faced with a mute spirit, and... Listen to the father out of desperation. He says, Jesus, I brought, them to, I brought my son to you, your disciples, it says, but they could, uh, that they should cast it out, but they could not. They were unable to. I mean, he's just, he's just a desperate dad, and they weren't even able to do this. Right? Now, that's not necessarily the bottom line. They are able in the name of Jesus, but obviously there's no results yet. So the, the father's like, man. And so he says, uh, so Jesus responds, he answered and said, oh, faithless generation, or literally unbelieving, no faith, he's saying. Oh, generation of no faith. Jesus is grieving right now. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. This is one of the more intense statements that Jesus ever makes. He's talking about the fact that his disciples, after being with him so long, still did not believe that they could do what Jesus said they could do. That nothing is impossible to him who believes. In Jesus, obviously, not just some random faith like magic Christmas faith or something. Faith in Jesus and what he says. And he's grieving over this. Now, this isn't the bottom line for Jesus again, right? He's not like, I'm done with you. I'm getting new disciples. Did he ever reject his disciples? Did he ever leave them? What about when Peter denied him? What did he do? Jesus, uh, Jesus, I'm going to pray for your faith, Peter. And when you come back, strengthen your brothers. Will he ever leave you? Even you mess up? Even you can't do it? No, of course not. That's not the bottom line. But he is grieved here. Why? Because it's obviously God's will to heal. And obviously Jesus has commissioned them with power. And the answer for why the son was not healed is not found in God's ability or God's willingness. And so Jesus is grieved. Verse 20. Then they brought him to him. They brought the son to Jesus. And when he saw him... Uh, when basically the spirit saw Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. That's called diversion tactic. These demons, they like to do that, right? You try to cast them out, they like to do crazy stuff. You just tell them, stop, get out, right? You don't have a, like a de- 
discussion with a demon or something. So, but this, this demon starts manifesting to try to like, you know, sh- act like it's powerful. And Jesus doesn't even worry about it. He turns to the father and he says, hey, how long has this been happening? The father says, oh, since he was a child. You know, probably meaning that it wasn't necessarily the son's sin. Sometimes people open up the door through sin, but this is one of those things where there is such a thing as injustice, isn't there? There is innocent people who suffer because of the sin of other human beings, is there not? The same thing with demons. It's injustice. It's oppression. It's not right. It shouldn't be there. So just say, how, how come? How long? It was since childhood. And he explains the condition. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. And listen to what the man says in his desperation. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. My goodness, man, this guy doubts Jesus' ability and compassion. You know what I'm saying? Man, just please, please have compassion. I mean, I don't know if you're even a good guy or not. Just do something, please, if you're even able to. And look at what Jesus does. Verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe. Whose responsibility? Mine, isn't it? Whose responsibility to believe, right? If you can believe. Now again, Jesus is correcting him and rebuking him, but man, that's the most loving thing you could receive at that moment. No, no, no. Let me tell you how this works, sir. If you can believe. Why? Faith is what receives the power of God. You don't earn it. You're not earning anything. It's what receives. If you can believe. All things are possible to him who believes. This is what I was saying earlier. It's not rocket science. This is not if you're righteous or not righteous. If you're in Christ, you're already righteous. And he likes to heal people who aren't yet so that they can see his kindness, right? Kindness leads to repentance. No, no, faith levels the playing field. If you can just believe what God said, you can have what God has for you. And so he confronts this man with his responsibility. I find it interesting. Do you think the Pharisees had any faith? Not at all, right? They're like, dude, see, see? See, this Jesus isn't who he said he is. And they get into a debate. Do you think that the disciples had much faith? Obviously, there's some issue going on with them. Do you think this father had much faith? If you can believe, right? I mean, if you could do this, Jesus. Do you notice that, like, man, this is like an atmosphere. and Nobody's really believing God. Did this stop Jesus? Well, you know, I would have liked to do this for you if you could really muster up enough faith. You know, oh, let's start a worship song. Let's build up some hype in this place. No, worship. Sometimes people treat worship like that. No, worship does build faith because we're speaking the word and we usher in the presence because we're boasting in our God. It, worship is important and, it, and we honor him and we exalt the Lord. But no, we're not talking about manipulation here. We're not, and he's not like, no, 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 you guys have obviously some issues in your life. You come back when it's my timing. He doesn't let anything shut him down. But he confronts the one who is responsible to believe. No, Father, if you can believe... You need to take responsibility here. He confronts him with that. And then verse 25, when Jesus saw that people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying, right? He used words, did he not? He rebuked his word. You deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. It's that simple, isn't it? Get out, right? Some dog comes in your house and you don't want it in there. Come on, get out, right? Now, if you like dogs, you know, but you know what I'm saying? It's like a dangerous dog or something. Get out of my house, Go. You don't, you don't talk to it, not, oh, can you please leave, right? Verse 26, then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Verse 28, and when he had come into the house, this is a lot later, his disciples asked him privately, I'd ask him privately too, hey, Jesus, we've got a question for you. Listen to what they ask. Why could we not cast it out? 
well, you know, you guys are puny little humans. This is something that God does, and I'm God, you know. You shouldn't try to do stuff that only I can do, you know. Well, you know, it wasn't my timing. You know, sometimes God just chooses to do things in His timing. You don't hear anything like that, do you? He says, verse 29, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. Oh yeah, okay, okay. So this is how most of the church has applied this teaching. So sometimes you run up to a really big demon. It doesn't want to come out. So we have to spend days, weeks, months in prayer and fasting. Yeah? That's how I've always heard it taught. Oh, you know, some of these only come out by prayer and fasting. So I guess we just, you know, it doesn't want to come out. So we'll just go pray and fast, I guess, right? Is that, is that what Jesus meant? I mean, look at the context. Did Jesus pray and fast? I don't see any praying and fasting going on. I see, hey, you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Get out. Where's the prayer and fasting? Where's the, it's not God's timing. Where's the, oh, that one's just so big. That one's just so big and authoritative. You know, you're just going to have to pray and fast and everything. I don't see that. In fact, listen to what he says in Matthew, the same story. Just listen to this here. That's what he says in Matthew. Hey, Jesus, how come we couldn't cast it out? Because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, be removed from there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about a lifestyle, isn't he? He's talking about a lifestyle of cultivating faith. When do you pray and fast? Do you pray and fast after you can't cast the demon out or before? What do you think? Bingo. Both. See, why is it that we don't cultivate faith? Because people without vision perish, don't they? Without vision, people perish. Why don't we prepare? Because we're not hungry for it. We don't have a vision for it. We're not moved with compassion. We're not moved. We don't see it like Jesus sees it. And that stuff's not supposed to be here. Jesus said, in his name, I'd cast that thing out. In his name, I'd see people healed. If we had a vision, if we believed what he said, man, oh, Jesus, I want to be just like you. We would be seeking him, right? How do you follow Jesus? Spend time with him, amen? In his word. How do you build up faith? How do you cultivate faith? He says, man, I need more faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do you cultivate faith? The word. Didn't Jesus say, you follow me. You follow me. Come here, you follow me. I will make you a fisher of men. I'll make you who I called you to be. You come here and you hear my words. Right? If you abide in me, right, you know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's what he said. He said, man, it's my word. Come here. What is he saying here with prayer and fasting? He's saying you've got to cultivate a lifestyle of intimacy with God and build up your faith. You've got to seek me on these things. You've got to pray. Cultivate this in your life. Fasting is not a way to earn God, God's favor. Fasting is a way, it's a catalyst for prayer. All fasting does is increase your receptor capacity. It empowers you to receive more. Receive more revelation. Receive more of that anointing that God has for you. It's nothing to do with changing God. It has to do with changing you. And fuels your prayer life. 
And it gives you the ability, when you're hearing God's word, to receive more revelation from the Lord faster. It's a catalyst. He's saying, guys, come on, cultivate this in your life. And yes, if you try to pray for somebody and they don't come out, and the demon doesn't come out or they're not healed, you don't beat yourself up, you don't doubt God, you go back to the drawing board and you seek the Lord. You cultivate faith. You keep following Jesus and you keep at it. And it will keep increasing from 30, 60, 100 fold. But we need the word of God to build up our faith. We need to pray and fast, like he says. Another thing we've learned in this series, we need to boast in God. The Bible says Abraham strengthened his faith by giving glory to God, or literally boasting in God. What does that mean? You get the word coming out of your mouth. You get the word coming out of your mouth and you start boasting in God. And you keep asking him and seeking him for these things. I determined years ago, you know, I'm not going to wait until this trial comes, or I'm not going to wait until, you know, someone needs healing, and then I'm going to try to muster faith. Let me tell you something. Jesus wasn't right there in that moment trying to muster any kind of faith because he already believed God. How did he do that? Because he had lived a lifestyle of praying. He spent time with the Father. And so in the moment, what you do is you spend that time with the Lord, and you seek God, and you cultivate faith as a lifestyle of following Jesus as a disciple, so that when you run into that person who needs to hear the gospel... Or you run into that poor person who needs just some food. You don't close up your heart because you've just been focused on yourself all the time or worried about your finances. No, man, you've been spending time with Jesus. Man, and my father told me he's going to provide all my needs according to riches, his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So you see that poor person and your heart's open to go give to that person. You see someone sick and you go, man, that's not supposed to be like that. And you have the confidence and the boldness to go and minister that because you've been building your faith, you know? And Kurt brought up a number of other things doing it in community. Right here, this is the safest place. Another one is praying in the Spirit. Jude chapter 20 says, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. That's your spiritual language that the Lord has given you. If you, if you don't have that spiritual language, that's, that's, you know, that's all right, we don't judge anyone right here, but the Lord wants to give you that. It's the spiritual language, okay? Now, it's a completely different thing when you're talking about what's called the manifestation of the Spirit in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, where it's a specifically a tongue, a message in another language from the spirit, and an interpretation. That's a manifestation of spirit given for the body. But the Lord in Acts chapter 20, when he poured out his, um, Acts chapter 2, when he poured out his Holy Spirit on the church, it says that every single one of them, Mary the mother of Jesus, women, children, they all were baptized in the spirit and they all spoke with a spiritual language, with a language that was empowered by the spirit. That's all it is. It's a language that you didn't learn by studying, but that the Holy Spirit gave to you as a gift. And it is given to you to, for you and God to communicate, for you to pray in the perfect will of God, for you to pray mysteries, for you, I call it the DSL connection. Because when you pray in your spiritual language, you receive insight from the Lord. You're praying mysteries. When you pray in your spiritual language, you, it helps you to hear God. You know, Paul actually says in 1 Corinthians 14, I pray in the Spirit more than you all. And I'll tell you, as a pastor here at this church, I probably... Actually, no, I'll just say, like, I pray in the Spirit more than you all. I pray in the Spirit all the time. Sometimes more than others, but all the time. Why? I'll tell you. You pray in the Spirit. If you do have a spiritual, if you have received your spiritual language, if not, get you prayed for, you will hear God more. So important. And Jude chapter 20 says it builds you up in your faith. It literally strengthens you. See, what I'm saying, you can have the hardest heart in the world. You can have no faith. And if you do this, will cultivate faith in your life. 
It will stir you up and strengthen you. This is the lifestyle. This is just what it means to follow Jesus. And I'm just listening a few things. Living this out in, out in community, a lifestyle of worship and being in the word. And there's so many little ways you can do this, like reading books with testimonies in them or, 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 or you know what I'm saying? I, I could come up with 20 other ideas. But the bottom line is I'm in the word. I'm listening to the word preached. Do you know you could have no faith? I, I'm going to tell you, I learned something recently. Uh, no, no, I'll tell you later. We're running out of time here. It was a good illustration, but we run out of time. Cultivate faith. But you notice in this story, nobody else had faith, but what did Jesus have? Faith. Because he'd already prayed and fasted. And he didn't let anyone undermine that. Ultimately, he said to the man, hey, if you believe. And the man said, I do believe. Help my unbelief, right? This man, with not very much faith, but with a repentant, humble heart, opened his heart to Jesus' correction. Instead of being like, I do believe Jesus. Don't try to correct me. No, he opened his heart with humility and repentance. And Jesus said, get out, demon, with his own faith. That's why I told you last week, never let anyone else's unbelief or if they're in sin or anything, don't let that stop you from praying for them. Love them. Love them. What I'm motivated by, what I'm moved by is love. See, what happens is this. Bible says in Galatians 5, it's faith working through love. When you, like Kurt said, cultivate faith, you stop worrying about yourself. Stop focusing on self. See, when you believe that God will provide, yeah, you'll be a giver. When you believe that you have more than enough covenant promises from God to receive and as well as give, you'll have confidence. And what happens is, the more you believe God, it cultivates love. That's what faith produces, love. And so I want to just echo what Kurt said. Cultivate faith, but also you take risks of love. You take those risks and you get motivated by one thing, one thing, love. If God doesn't want it and it's not in heaven, you minister out of love. And, see, that's what, and that's what Jesus was moved by. Amen.